0: Well we're talking about good news and uh, hopefully we've got a screen and maybe online you can let people see that screen for a second because it, it's obviously uh, reflecting on the fact that there's a lot of news out there and the newspaper image uh, you know, tells us that the media has always got news, uh, sometimes a lot more opinion than reporting exactly what happened. Sometimes huh, the opinion's quite negative. Sometimes the stories that they choose to focus on have got a certain slant. Sometimes it can get people down. Sometimes it's not real good news at all. But I like that image because there is good news just when you come to God, come to his word. It's like getting a newspaper huh, that is inspiring and, in, and helpful. And so we're talking about that um, over the next couple of weeks, and in excuse me, in two weeks' time, we're blessed because Craig Stevens will be here, Salvation Army evangelist, wonderful man of God, and he's got a um, a whole bunch of great stories, but also a um, an initiative that he'll uh, tell us more about how to reach people with the good news. Now, uh, you know, in the early nineteen nineties. Uh, apartheid ended in South Africa and uh, there was a lot of concern all around the world at the time that there would be widespread uh, revenge and retribution uh, in that country but the newly elected president Nelson Mandela worked hard to prevent that in fact he understood that national reconciliation was probably the main priority for his government and leadership at the time he knew it would be important both on a national level and a personal level. And in fact, he said at the time, forgiveness liberates the soul. And he had been through some stuff uh, to get to the position of saying that. Who would have thought, if you read his story, know about his life, that he could have gone from imprisonment to become president. Amazing. So he oversaw... The establishment of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Which was a restorative justice kind of court system That heard testimonies from victims of human rights violations And uh, allowed for the perpetrators to come forward And request amnesty from prosecution And these hearings ran for two years And they were considered a great success so much so that other countries uh, followed suit. And it helped South Africa really heal from the wounds of the past and move forward in unity to the future. And one of the hearings most famously involved a 70-year-old African woman whose husband and son had both been killed by the same police officer, a man named Vanderbroek. And uh, she had witnessed her husband's beating and saw him bound and then burned alive right in front of her. And uh, now this murderer was standing in front of her in the court and she heard his confessions to the crimes. And she was then asked by the courts, how should justice be served to this man? What a moment, what a question. What would you say? Well, she said, I want three things. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She then said this, My husband and son were my only family. So secondly, I want Mr. Vanderbrook to become my son. I would like him to come twice a month to the ghetto where I live and spend a day with me so I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining in me. I've read this a number of times, but I still find it very difficult to read without cracking up. Finally, she said, I would like Mr. Vanderbrook to know that I offer him forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. I would kindly now ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbroek in my arms, embrace him, and let him know that he is truly forgiven. And as the court assistants came to lead this elderly woman across the room, Mr. Vanderbroek promptly fainted because he was overwhelmed by what he had just heard. And in that courtroom on that day, the family, the friends, the neighbors who were there to support her. All victims of decades of injustice and oppression, they all began to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What an incredible moment it would have been. And how powerful and wonderful are moments like that when good overcomes evil, when love defeats hate, and forgiveness takes. The place of revenge and prevails And of course that woman was able to forgive Because she too had been forgiven She had God's love flowing through her And that love includes and embraces mercy It was mercy that she was tapping into and releasing that day And last week Ruth spoke about the goodness of God Because when we talk about the good news She wisely focused on the one who is good she had it's a great message and you can listen to the podcast seven different things about God that reveal his goodness of course there's a whole bunch more you could come up with but it was fantastic listen to um, psalm 136 verse 1 maybe you'll see it as well on the screen it says oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever that's the new king james version psalm 136 verse 1 give thanks to the lord for he's good for his mercy endures forever. Look how they go together goodness and mercy. So, God is good, God is love, and part of God's love and goodness is mercy. And so, I want to look at mercy today as part of understanding the good news because it's this attribute that really drives the gospel. In other words, it, the, the story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that brings forgiveness to us. Because it's this quality in God's character that led Jesus to come to earth, to live as a man, to put up with all that he had to, to allow himself to be persecuted and punished and then to even be put to death on our behalf so that we could be forgiven. So without God's mercy, we'd still be lost. But because of his mercy, we can be saved. And we get set into his family, set on a course all the way to heaven and And so it 's then mercy that we hopefully have in our heart that we extend to people, just like that sweet old woman did in South Africa to forgive them, release them from guilt, and it doesn 't just release them, it releases us. when we extend mercy, then we get set free from bitterness and pain and resentment and hatred that can bind people 's hearts up and so uh, so let 's talk about mercy. And before we go any further, let's just talk about grace and mercy because they are seen and talked about alongside each other, which is fair enough because they're they're two sides of the one coin. If the coin is love, you've got mercy on one side, grace on the other. They're different, but they do work together. The Greek word used in the New Testament for mercy is this word ilios, and it can be translated also as pity or compassion. But the word used for grace in the New Testament is charis, which can also be translated favour. So mercy is best described as the act of withholding punishment that could be or should be rightfully meted out for wrongdoing. Whereas grace means actually to give favour that's unmerited. So you could say that God's mercy saves us from... Punishment that we deserve, namely hell. And God's mercy then comes to give us a gift that we don't deserve, namely heaven. So mercy is preventing the negative, and grace is bringing in and giving something positive. And they're both expressions of God's incredible, wonderful love. So it's good for us to understand God's mercy because, you know, a lot of people don't understand this aspect of God and his nature. you know a lot of people have some understanding of God, but it it's not the full picture it's just a, a not quite a a good complete understanding of his nature so for example we uh, a week or so ago we were at the local park uh walking around with uh, Eleanor and Caleb and juniper in the pram and uh there's a young couple there and we start chatting their kids are playing and uh and we got talking, and of course, you know when you meet people and you've you just uh, been praying and you're buoyant, you want to share the gospel. And you feel the Holy Spirit, you know, look prompting you and leading you, and you're looking for an opportunity to just lead the conversation a certain way. And talking to this guy about his kids and schooling, and then we got on to what kind of school he went to. And then he tells me, oh, well, you know, I went to a certain kind of school that was associated with a... Certain aspect of the Christian faith But the schooling that he got And the image that God was presented Really put him off And he said, look, basically When I left school and left home That was it My parents had been very religious And the school was religious But the image that he had of God Was one that, you know God was judgmental God was, you know, the, the old man with the stick You know, that kind of image And uh, and so I just, you know Was able to share briefly How Look, I've heard that story before, and uh, and yet I, I've discovered God to be really a God of love, of grace, of mercy. And just to look for that opportunity to to try and help people understand, wow, God is really merciful. And, uh, and that's all I had the opportunity to do in that time, you know, because it's sort of socially awkward to kind of put someone in an arm lock and drag them away, and then, you know, chain them up and... Read the Bible to them or, you know, drug them and drag them into church I mean, they're all options But, uh, I, like I said, socially it's, it's probably not acceptable uh, Legally, I'd probably be arrested, fair enough You know, so all you can do is just throw things in conversation And people have this annoying thing called free will You know, and so you really want to just just go You need to get saved, you need to... You know, but anyway, you just do a little that you can at the time Look at um, Hebrews 4.16 um, Hebrews you may know this uh, beautiful promise. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's the throne of grace that God sits on, and we can be confident. And look how mercy and grace are working together there. So we can be confident in approaching God and, and, and have our lives totally changed. And also, we should be learning about this so that we can encourage others to know what they're getting in for if they approach God, to see that God is a God of grace and mercy and they have their lives changed as well. So I want to talk about three features of God's mercy. First one is that God's mercy is undeserved. And if you open your Bibles or turn or flick or point or press to the button that takes you to Titus 3 verse 5, you'll see this. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of? His mercy he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. See all the good news that you read about in the New Testament constantly referred to by Paul particularly uh, about how you know Jesus saved us, washed away our sin, given us new life it, it's all based on god 's mercy, and we can 't earn it we don 't deserve it we don't uh, we can't demand it We're not justified in in, in requesting it on our own it, And of course this is at the core of the meaning of mercy if you, if you were justified or if you deserved God's goodness and blessing Well there'd be no need for mercy Because mercy really only kicks in When some negative force like punishment or anger or resentment Is held back because love rises up and releases mercy For example, you get along with people Most of the time, I'm sure, you know, it's easy to get along with people when things are going well. It's easy. There's no need for mercy or forgiveness or any of that. You just, life's fine. You can enjoy someone's company. You're happy to call that person your Christian brother or sister. It's all sweet. Yeah. Ah, until you get hurt, until they do something wrong, until, you know, they give you a reason to be upset or offended And that's when mercy steps in. So we hopefully can forgive and maintain the relationship. And that's why God allows us to rub each other up the wrong way. It says in the book of Proverbs, you know, 27 verse 17, I think it is, um, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. You know, and that's, that's a good thing for iron because... You sharpen steel and iron Well they didn't have steel did they? They were iron age So iron or metal You know they sharpen metal by friction So it's a good thing So relational friction can actually be a good thing Because it it it's, it's not pleasant It's not smooth and sweet But it's actually good Because it can cause us to tap into Lean into Draw on mercy And And grow in mercy and release mercy. And of course, when we do that, we're really just doing what Jesus told us to, because He said at one point in the book of Luke, it's recorded about chapter six Be merciful as I am merciful. So, okay, (laughs) we've got to do it. Uh, But we don't have to do it in our own strength. But we are called to reveal and to reflect Jesus in the world. That's, you know, the word Christian just means little Christs. We are to be like Jesus. Not little Messiah complex people, you know. No. <laughs> I'm I'm the son of God. No, no, no. Little emphasis on little, but like Jesus being merciful, and so you know when you live with this goal, this awareness, this calling, it's it's good. Not just for people that we're releasing mercy to, but good for us because we become more like Jesus. And we realize, flip, how offensive am I to God? So when we appreciate our salvation, and then we learn to. Lead in love. And we realise it's totally undeserved from God to me. And therefore, if someone doesn't deserve my forgiveness, that's got nothing to do with it. It's easy to think, oh, that person did the wrong thing to me, so I'm going to do the wrong thing to them. I'll be nice to them if or after they're nice to me. Well, that's, that's hopeless, isn't it? It's, just, it's easy. It's base. It's the lower common denominator of all relationships. But we are called to rise above that to lead in love, to show some initiative, to give the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy, even if they don't give it to us, not waiting till they do it first. It's totally undeserved, but we give it because God's given it to us. Remember the story of um, the prodigal son, Luke 15, the lost son, it's called the story of the lost son or the story of the prodigal son. But it really could be just as easily called the story of the merciful father. Because if it wasn't for his mercy, the story would be just another SBS movie. Think, You know, really, you, you, if you look at it, you've, you've got son disrespects family, son squanders inheritance, son explores the world, finds himself lost and lonely, son returns home only to be rejected, understandably, by the embittered father that he turned his back on. Son then sadly walks off into the distance. With music, slow motion, fade to black You know, the end And that would be a successful movie Made by a number of different European nations um, <laughs> But praise God for Americans <laughs> I must have written the Bible because I said, I had a positive go at Americans the other day About their politics um, And uh, it's true, you know Their, their movies tend to just You read some of the They'd read that script and say That's not going to fly That's not going to work We need a positive ending Well praise God God has provided God Is God American? No Uh, But um, I'm sure there's some Americans Who would say so Oh yes Oh yes Um, (laughs) um, Back to the Bible (laughs) Jesus uh, In a Hebrew culture um, and they know all about some tough times, but God is the God of good news, is the thing, even even no matter what mindset or culture or whatever you, you're from, you, God is a good news God, and so that, praise God, is not how the story ends with the son lost and, you know, separated from the... He's forgiven and, and he's brought back into the family and the father loves him and forgets the past, the pain, the sin and he celebrates the return of the sons. all totally deserve, undeserved and it's all because of mercy that the father is giving. And that's available for us when we come to God and to anyone who comes to God. And so don't ever let the devil tell you, oh, your sin's too much. You don't deserve God's mercy. Eh, That's the point. I know I don't deserve God's mercy. It's mercy. And so I'm not, that's, that's not the qualifier. And don't let anyone tell you, oh, you know, you, the walls will fall down if I come to, you know, all that kind of talk of like, I've done too much of that. No, 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 that's the point. God is merciful. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how undeserved you may feel. God, undeserving you may feel, I should say, God still loves. Second thing about mercy is that it's undying. Unyielding, unbeatable. In other words, it's great. Look at this scripture. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So again, there's the good news, Peter writing this time. And basically, here's this great news available for us. We're born again, we've got a new living, hopeful way of living. And it's because of God's mercy. And notice it's great mercy, infinite, immeasurable, astounding, just like God. So great that even the worst sin can be forgiven. And any number of sins. Like in the story of Luke 15, the lost son. It wouldn't matter how sinful he was. It doesn't matter how many other things that he might have done that the father would have found out about. The mercy was there overwhelming, overcoming, greater than the sin. Or if the father had other sons who went off and did the same thing, wouldn't be like, oh, hang on, I've run out. I forgave your eldest son and this one, okay, but not the third, that's too many. No, wouldn't matter how often, how many, how great, the the mercy is greater than the sin. You know, listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. His mercy is so great that it forgives great sins to great sinners after great lengths of time, and then gives great favours and great privileges and raises us up to great enjoyments in the great heaven of our great God. Look, a preaching tip, if your sermon's waning, you just bring in a Spurgeon quote. And just, you know, if I can't say it, at least he can. You know, uh, I think I might just be given to Reading Charles Spurgeon every Sunday as my sermon, and hopefully no one notices. I'm just trying to shift the language, but uh, he says it so well. What a great quote! Uh, and so God is great in mercy. He's He's rich in mercy. Look at this scripture, Ephesians two verse four. God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when we were raised. When He raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. There's grace and mercy going together again. He's rich. He's wealthy with mercy. He never runs out, just like a rich person has always got enough money. God's never going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've run out. You're not going to, you know, all throughout history, millions of people, there's always mercy. Plenty still left us, for us, for future generations. It's so great it follows you around. We know this from Psalm 23. It's not something you've got to go seeking for. Oh, I wonder where God's mercy is. Look at Psalm 23. Uh, David said this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that amazing? Again, goodness and mercy going together. What a wonderful thought. We, we sometimes maybe think, Oh, I've got to go searching, searching for God and maybe if I find him there might be a little bit of mercy left over but I'm not sure, Let's see when I get there if there's enough. Hang on, just look behind you. There it is, mercy's right there. It's available, it's following us, it's present. It's it's wonderful, it's ready to be released and and it's the reason that we can be confident about our future and dwelling in the house of the Lord, here on earth and into the future because he says goodness and mercy will follow me and I shall dwell in the house of God. That's the best place to be. And it's not, again, something I deserve. It's not something based on what I can earn just because of God's mercy. Not just attending church, not just going somewhere on a Sunday, being in the house of God, permanently living in the family of God with the Father and then right off into the future, into eternity in the house of God forever. Isn't that awesome? Third thing about mercy is that it's unfailing, it's unending, because we read that at the beginning in that Psalm 136, God's good, His mercy endures for how long? Forever, it's not like, oh, run out, no more, look at this scripture, Lamentations 3, you may know this, uh, we used to sing a song back in the Anglican church, The steadfast love, when I read it, I start singing it every time I read this passage. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. morning. Just the ladies. (laughs) Just the men. All together now. Just the drums, just the ladies, just this side. Just, remember you used to do that? would be like, just the left, just the, you know, just the men with the beards. Just, you know, just the people wearing red undies. Just the, who knows? You know, just a funny selective of. Back to the Bible. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. You ever heard that saying, God's the God of the second chance? It's so true. He's the God of the millionth chance. <laughs> again, you think, oh, no, I've done it again. It's like, the mercy, mercy says, that's okay. <sighs> Maybe a little sigh. Holy Spirit's going to, you know, raise his eyebrows a little, but, you know, he's still, it's like, all right, we've got enough. It's okay. They never end. There's there's this flow constantly of forgiveness to any repentant sinner. Repentant being a key word there. Um, and so this is awesome. And, you know, the context of that verse, because, you know, you may have messed up, like I said, over and over, or maybe life has thrown stuff at you that you think, oh, life is really difficult. This book is called Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote this book as a lament because they had lost the holy city the temple, their livelihood, their homeland, they'd been taken off or were about to be taken off into captivity when he wrote this. And if you read the verses leading up to it, listen to what some of the things that he says. Uh, he says, I'm the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of God's anger. He's led me in darkness. He's shut out all the light. He's turned his hand against me again and again. He's made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He's besieged me. He's surrounded me with anguish and distress. People laugh at me all day long. They sing their mocking songs. He's filled me with bitterness. He's made me chew on gravel. He's made me roll in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. Feeling good? I've forgotten what prosperity is, yet I still dare to hope. That's verse 21. And then verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And so this is not a psalm of praise. Life's great. I'm having a good time. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Yeah. You know, like one of David's catchy top 40 songs. This is a dirge. This is a lament. This is like a melancholy poem. This is like, oh. And yet, even in that situation, the mercy of the Lord is there. The steadfast God love of God is, is, is there, it's available. It's never his mercies are always available. so, in other words, it doesn't matter how terrible things are, God will never let those terrible things get in the way of you acquiring God's mercy. Matthew Henry on that passage says this: having stated his distress and temptation, the prophet Jeremiah shows how He was raised above it. Bad as things are, it is owing to the mercy of God that they are not worse. (laughs) I think, see, so in life you can think, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, okay, it is. But God's mercy will prevent it from being even worse because as bad as it is, you can still go to heaven. Worst case scenario, let's be honest, worst case scenario, hit by a bus, COVID, fall off a cliff, you're gonna die and you get an early mark and go to heaven because of God's mercy. That's worst case. Best case, you live a long, prosperous life. Then you die anyway and go to heaven. Either way, you're going to die. You know, but God's mercy means that's not the end. Isn't that awesome? And so the, you know, this is a terrible scenario that they had gone through, and yet His mercy was still available for us. I think that's wonderful and powerful. And so God's mercy will never leave us. It's always at hand. It's like a reliable friend, you know, you can always rely on. A final thought unfailing, when mercy is unfailing, it means that it wins all the time, right? It triumphs over hatred, over anger, over judgment. In fact, the Bible says just that. One last scripture James 2, verse 13. Judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. In other words, judgment can stand alone for some people but mercy triumphs over judgment let me finish with this anecdote story and this concept mercy triumphing over judgment is most famously portrayed in one of shakespeare's plays and you may know the merchant of venice and there's this character shylock who's the merchant and he's demanding payment and the Young man couldn't pay him with money So he had this macabre, terrible clause in the contract That if the guy couldn't pay him Shylock would extract a pound of flesh You've heard this saying People say, oh he wants his pound of flesh Well there's Shylock in the courtroom with his knife Literally going to cut out a pound of flesh from this young man And then up steps Portia and she's disguised as a lawyer. Has to be a bloke uh, in that day, of course. And um, and she delivers what is regarded as one of Shakespeare's greatest ever speeches. She has this monologue. You may know the beginning. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Now. After the service, I'm sure you get Martin and Michael uh, A couple of uh, literary people here They can recite the rest of the monologue In fact, we might even get one playing Shylock One being Portia uh, We get maybe the props department to step in I actually played Shylock when I walked the boards um, <laughs> As a young thespian at university uh, So perhaps I could uh, give you guys some directing advice uh, But I'm sure you know the rest of the speech An amazing speech She goes on um, uh, to say effectively that, that earthly power most closely resembles God's power When justice is, is qualified or guided by mercy And that justice is, is, is improved and fine-tuned by by mercy, and then she says this: in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. In other words, you know, none of us would would be saved if we depended on justice alone. She also says um, we do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. In other words, we receive God's mercy, and then hopefully we learn to be merciful to other people. <laughs> Good preaching, Bill. The Bard, I, I, I read this again the other day. I just thought, I don't know if William, you know, how close he was to the Lord. But mercy was a theme that he was aware of uh, in uh, comes through his place. But mercy does indeed conquer and triumph. Spoiler alert. Just, a, you know, Shylock, the merchant, wants his pound of flesh. Portia delivers this speech ends up saying, oh, by the way, you can go for your pound of flesh, but the contract's got nothing about blood. So if you go for flesh, but withdraw any blood, well, then that wouldn't be fulfilling the contract. Oh, so Sherlock's all ripped off, saying, well, I can't get the pound. So he goes to leave and they say, hang on a minute, don't go too soon. You've now turned down the offer for money, demanding the pound of flesh, which means this is the only way. You can't have the money. That's right, he says, all right, I'll give you the money No, you turn down the offer of the money You've got to go for the pound of flesh But if you do that, you withdraw the blood He says, all right, forget it, I'm cranky, he's leaving No, no, come back, you're a foreigner And you were going to take flesh from this young guy Therefore it would be attempted murder We've got a law against that So now our laws say that you've got to give half your wealth to this young guy And half to the state Uh, And so all the tables are turned And, uh, oh, that's right And because you tried to kill this guy Your life's now in the hands of the local Duke, I can't remember his name And the Duke turns around and offers him mercy And lets him go So it's, uh, it's a wild ride um, And a great finish uh, to an incredible scene Where mercy triumphs And so come on, let's remember God's mercy is undeserved It's undying It's unending And come on, let's share this good news with other people Amen? Praise him, let's pray Father God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you. We don't deserve it, but we still receive it. We have it for ourselves. We want to share it with others. We want to tell. We want to live with mercy towards others. And Lord, help us, empower us, inspire us and stir us to be aware of how powerful it is and that we would include that in our witness towards others, to, to others, to point people towards a God of mercy, not a God of judgment, a God willing to forgive and that we are sinners, but you will forgive the repentant sinner. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you're listening here today or online, you need to be right with God. You need to receive his mercy and his forgiveness. I encourage you to pray a prayer of commitment. Talk to someone here or send us an email or we'll be in touch if you need instruction as to how to pray. Simple prayer of faith coming before God coming into relationship with Him. Get right before God. Walk right before God. Nothing you earn, simply by faith, trusting in Him, obeying Him, walking with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.